Welcome back to Koinonia. This is Mark Buckley, and I'm talking with Jeff Mary. Jeff, you're going to transition from your worship ministry into missions. You've had a, a heart call. You've seen that, that mm-hmm. some missionaries are out there, and they're struggling, right? They're, yeah. they're hurting. They're, they're, they thought this is what God always wanted them to do, and they get there, and they realize some of the realities that they're facing are pretty challenging. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Mark, we really believe God has called us, seasoned us, mm-hmm. and positioned us to do this ministry. And um, it's sort of what you've been doing here, too, right? I mean, you've been working with people in mm-hmm. ministry to strengthen and encourage and mm-hmm. refresh them. Right. And Karen, my wife, is a therapist in the Valley, and mm-hmm. she's actually seen a lot of missionaries really? that have come off the field because of breakdowns, difficulties, and had to come all the way back home yeah. in order to, to get help, to get mm-hmm. care. And what we find is that very few of them, actually, after they even get care and get help and healed and everything, very, very few actually go back onto the field. Yeah. So we, uh, two years ago, were invited to a conference called Breathe in Switzerland, Mm -hmm. where missionaries' families are invited to come for 10 days, and they get counseling, they get care for their children from all ages. And so we got to sit down across a table from a couple um, for an hour a day for eight days um, and, and uh, just hear their stories and hear their trauma and hear their family conflict or their team conflict and help them think through and help them deal sometimes, you know, through counseling or therapy, mm-hmm. deal with the issue that bothered them and, um, and then get them back on the field, mm-hmm. refreshed, back, tune back into their original calling and inspiration. You know, we're not trying to give them new calling and inspiration. We're just giving them freedom to revisit what God already called them to. I think one of the things that happens to everybody in ministry is you feel this pressure to succeed. Yeah. And um, I know for me, I have felt I've gotten myself in an unhealthy place by feeling like I have the pressure on me. I have got to make this happen. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, God delights in showing us that we can't really make his work happen. No. It's just, I mean, it's a partnership because, Mm -hmm. but that partnership has to be a partnership with the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly of heart and you will find rest for your soul. Right. And that entering God's rest is a big challenge for all of us, isn't it? It's tough. Think about this. You go, you learn the language, you, you get called to a mission. And mm-hmm. say it's the Middle East someplace, in which a lot of them are. And you learn the language, you raise the support, the churches are going, yay, you're going, ha-ha, let's go. And you jump on a plane, you get over there, you land on the ground, and wow, the language doesn't sound like it did in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And the environment isn't exactly the same that the mission agency told me. Mm-hmm. And I now i got to find safety and food and sustenance for yeah. my family. And, um, and I'm here to start an underground church mm-hmm. and uh, two years go by and I got four friends that I've just meet with coffee. Mm-hmm. Well, the American mindset of accomplishment would go, wow, you're just total fail- failure. Yeah. And they take that with them and they do feel that way. Mm-hmm. And yet we've seen God do some amazing things. I could tell you about this story of this one guy that it was, it was four people mm-hmm. after two years and uh, I was sitting with one guy in the living room and said, you know, we were talking and, and he said, you know, 
God told him about Psalm 23 and that, uh, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because God is with me. And he said, I, I realized I was sitting in the valley. I wasn't walking. Yeah. And I, I was encouraged to do that. So I said, that's great. So who's your rod and your staff? And he said, hmm? who's, who's your, your safety, your comfort? And he had to think for a while. And then he said, well, the guy in the other room, Tim, the missionary. Mm-hmm. He's there anytime I need him. And he makes a big difference in my life. So next morning at breakfast, we sat down and talked with them. And I shared that story. And tears come down their faces going, we didn't know we had any impact on these people's lives. And God is doing that just by having feet on the ground. I could tell you about some Middle Eastern countries where just by being there, um, a Muslim guy had a dream about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he didn't understand who this guy was or what it was about. But because the missionary was, the missionary there. was there, he could say, can you tell me about this? Mm-hmm. Tell me. And he didn't have to be a Daniel. He just had to say, yeah, I know who Jesus is. Let me tell you who he is. And, you know, the 1040 window is the largest mission field in the world. More than uh, three-quarters of the world population is there. More than 6,000 people groups are unreached, unmet. Mm -hmm. They don't have the gospel. They don't know. And there's less than 1% of the missionaries in the whole world in the 1040 window. And about 47% of them that go out from into missions for a 10, 15, 20-year stint leave the field in less than three years because of discouragement, isolation, and pain. And we want to stop that. We want to keep them on the field so that the gospel can be continue to be presented and they can go out and and serve. And may God bless you with wisdom and understanding and refresh you. And we'll look forward to, uh, I'll look forward to talking to you more before you actually leave for that mission. Jeff, thank you very much for being my guest today. Thank you for having me. It's been a delight and uh, it's good to reconnect with you. Amen. God bless. Thank you. Um, I'm going to continue this interview on the theme of missions, and we're going to be talking to some folks that have been serving the Lord for a long time. My first up is uh, Vicki Hudikoff. Vicki, um, you spent 20 years in the Ukraine, and the Ukraine is in the news right now. Everybody's thinking about it. Um, tell us what your experience was like there. Well, we arrived shortly after um, the Soviet Union fell apart, so it was Mm -hmm. just about a year and a half after Ukraine gained its independence. It was a wonderful time spiritually for the the country. They were in their rebuilding process. Mm -hmm. It's their first time ever, uh, with the exception of one year prior to that, where they had their independence as a nation. So they had no constitution written. They were trying to understand their identity as a nation. Who are we as Ukraine? We're no longer under the Soviet rule. Um, It was just a great time. There was a spiritual openness that people were hungry for the gospel, wanting to know who is this God that we see all these beautiful golden dome churches in our land, but yet we don't know who God is. Really? Because under the Soviet Union, they hadn't even had any worship services. They had the underground church, but Uh it was very um, squelched by governmental authorities. How about the Orthodox Church? Was that functioning at all? Yes, the Orthodox Church was functioning. They did have um, some uh, government officials that would sit in in those Mm. services to kind of monitor the services, but they did have um, the Orthodox Church. But they weren't really preaching the gospel so much. Um, 
The Orthodox was, Church, I would say the gospel is there, but it's behind a veil. Yeah. So um, did you lead people to Christ during those early years that are still following the Lord today? Absolutely. Many of them even came into our mission. Really? Many, many of them were not even Christians when they would come in to our discipleship training schools that we would run. And they would they would come in as non-believers, but they they would go out as Christians. Awesome. Awesome. So. And you were, were you working with YWAM in those days? Yes, yes. And you're now working with YWAM right here in the valley. We are. We, we, we felt the Lord say, take a year off mm-hmm. from Ukraine, go back to America, and pioneer a new uh, discipleship-focused discipleship training school that, that helps golfers um, know more about God and, and use golf out on the mission field. Awesome, because we have a lot of frustrated golfers in this valley, you know. (laughs) They have big needs. I'm one of them. Um, So uh, you and your husband have founded the YWAM Golf Golf. Discipleship School. First one in the world, right? Yes. Congratulations. And I hope to have him, your husband, um, Kelly, on the program one of these days as well. Another guest in the studio today is uh, Randy Karcher. And, uh, Randy, I just want to say thanks for being here. You spent 20 years in Papua New Guinea? Yes, we uh, went there in 1981, actually. Tell us how you ended up there and and what's the place like? Well, we ended up there because my wife and I decided to to go there to teach um, with Wycliffe Bible Translators. Mm -hmm. They have a a large work in Papua New Guinea, and so we went there for two years to teach in and, uh, what were you going to teach? I taught, uh, I went over there to teach physical education and ended up teaching physical education and history and government and religious studies and driver's ed and, you know. To the to the children of the missionaries? To or the, the mission- children of the missionaries. Yeah. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they have a big school there. Yeah, quite a large school. And uh, they needed some help. And I was teaching in, in California at the time. And I, my wife and I prayed about it, and we thought, well, there's probably a lot of teachers in California. Right. But there's not many people that want to go to Papua New Guinea and teach these kids, and uh-huh. so somebody has to do it. And we thought, well, we can give two years of our life to, to going to Papua New Guinea to teach. And so what happened? One year led to the next, led to the next, or what? Well, basically, I didn't know that there were golf courses in Papua New Guinea. And it turned out that there are some golf courses there, and they have tournaments um, every month in different provinces of the country. Really? And I was able to go and play in some of these tournaments. And I um, was fortunate enough to win some of these tournaments. And then I started meeting people that uh, our organization really wanted to meet, but they really didn't have a reason to, to meet with them. They, uh-huh. they um, didn't have that opportunity. And I was getting this opportunity through golf. So when it came to two years um, and we were leaving, Papua New Guinea, the director of the branch, asked me if I would come back and use golf as a tool to meet people at the national level. Wow. National because government. some of the top business leaders and government officials like to play golf. And so there you were right with them, huh? Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. And so you ended up staying 20 years? Yeah, we ended up staying 20 years. My kids were raised over there. One was born there. One was six months old when we went over there. And uh, they've had quite a life, quite a quite a uh, 
an opportunity to see the world and meet different people and experience different cultures. Awesome. Well, we're going to find out more about that when we come back from this break. I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams Church, and we're going to be talking to some missionaries here today, some folks involved in a YWAM school of golf and using golf as a bridge to connect people ultimately to the living God. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. <laughs> 